normally in these interviews, I'm trying to ask questions that I feel like will be the most interesting to the most number of people. But in this interview, I went a different direction and I basically just asked the questions that I wanted to know because our guest, Alec Mazukin, is one of the few people who I kind of feel like has a major overlap in his career and, and life with what I have going on. He is putting content on YouTube, for one, and he has been for since early 2016, which coincidentally is exactly when we started. Our first video went up, I think, on like January 2nd of 2016, and he says in this interview um, he was right there like a day or two after although he was blogging and, and creating other content before that. But he's made a lot of videos over the years and a lot of really complex ones, big projects on his house that take tons of work. And separate from the work, he's filmed them and edited them and narrated, and he's meticulous in his video work. You, if you watch him, you'll see what I mean. It's extremely informative, and they have great pacing, and he has just he's really doing a great service of putting out content that, that kind of inspires and gets people thinking about taking on home improvement, DIY kind of projects that they might have otherwise thought were a little outside of their reach. So we talk about that. We also talk about YouTube a bit and kind of what, it, what the platform is like and what it's been like and where it's going. I really, really deeply enjoyed this conversation. Alex is a really thoughtful guy. And like I said, I feel like I've got a lot of, he feels like a kindred spirit. I got a lot in common with a guy. He's got little kids. I've got little kids and uh, he lives in Idaho and I'm in Oregon, which is not too far apart. So uh, stick around for this discussion and I'll put links to his channel and Instagram and all of his uh, socials in the description. Without any further ado, Mr. Build It, Alex Mazukin. Why don't you start by telling us what you're working on these days? I imagine you're the kind of fellow who's got all kinds of projects uh, happening simultaneously, if you're anything like me. Yeah, yeah. A little too many projects, if you ask me. Um, and it's my fault because I make my own honey-do lists around here. But uh, <laughs> I decided to, to tackle on the master bathroom. So um, the first video that we put out was transitioning from a regular tub to a freestanding soaker tub, which somehow my wife convinced me to do that, but it's there. Um, by the way, they're a lot smaller than regular tubs. I don't know if you knew that. Actually, then, I, I only know that by looking at them because we're my wife and I are planning a house and she was talking about one of those and she's like, I just want a big tub I can relax in. And I was thinking, I was saying, I don't think they're all that big. I guess you tell me, are they, what, what are they like? Oh, they're so, well, substantially smaller. I, they look big on pictures. In fact, she was actually surprised it's a lot smaller. So um, we had, and this is, this might be like taboo or blasphemous, what we did is the house came with one of those whirlpool uh, tubs. So it's got the, the bubbles that, that are going through it. And those are typically bigger than any other tub. And I'm six foot two. I don't do tubs, but she does. And, uh, and she's like, why don't we do that? And I was like, okay, it's a silly thing. Let's do it. We ripped it out. It feels like you're sitting in a little bowl, like, like <laughs> the smallest mixing bowl you have. Your knees are above the thing. It's, you know, oh. she's a, a petite gal. She's like five, four or something like that. Uh, so she has no problems. But uh, it's, it's frustrating. And I'm irritated because not only did it show up and it's a lot smaller than it was, uh, the amount of headaches that I went through trying to install it, because we have a house that's a slab on grade, so it's concrete flooring. There's there's no getting underneath the baseboards or anything like that. And um, yeah, it's uh, it was it was hell on earth trying to figure out plumbing for a freestanding faucet, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. You got it. You basically had to like cut out a piece of your slab to get the 
yep. stuff down underneath it, right? Yep. And cutting out a piece of the slab is like the nice way of putting it. Like, I mean, I had to go get like a jackhammer, break that down, and then try yeah. to feed these lines. And then here's the, the worst part of it. Um, usually with tubs, so you can get underneath to hook up the drain to to the bottom of the the tub. First of all, that's not an option. You have like one take by the time you put your your, your cement on. Uh, second thing is the faucet that comes with it, uh, or that you buy for a freestanding tub. It's like a world of its own. You oh. like you have to have I think like three inches of free play to put the the lines into the ground. But how do you do that when all your lines are cemented yeah. in in your sub, in, in your concrete flooring? So it's uh it's literally. It, it, it takes a village to do, but I'm glad we're over it. <laughs> so this is a whole, but this is one step of an entire bathroom remodel. Is that right? Yeah, it's uh, we decided to break it down an episode. So episode one was the, the, the soaker tub episode two right now that I'm working on today. Um, we're doing the, the vanity itself. Um, and uh, with that, it's going to be, you know, the, the faucets that are wall mounted, rearranging the light fixtures where it's like sconce lights, by the way, I don't know if you know what sconce lights are. I just recently learned what those are. Yeah. <laughs> And I think for the longest time I was saying the wrong things. I think I was saying like sconces, and I guess <laughs> yeah. that's not right either. I just used to call them a light, and yeah, I didn't light. Know like some like fancy word for ooh, a light on a wall. Like, well, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no. So we're doing that, um, and so drywall was done today. Uh, plumbing was done yesterday, and electrical was the day before that. So so far, it's kind of smooth sailing. I heard you say in one of your videos that you learned. Um, by doing the demo and a lot of what you know you you feel like has kind of developed just by taking things apart T can you talk about that for a little bit or maybe as part of this just kind of give us your background on how you 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 refer to yourself as like kind of like a i don't know about a diyer but a professional diyer maybe but clearly you are a, a way beyond that so for someone who has seen some of your videos um how, how do you describe how you kind of got to where you are yeah so i uh i grew up in the 90s like uh I, we're probably the same age. I don't know. You're, but uh, yeah, I turned forty in a couple of weeks. So, so we go. grew up in a time where, like, maybe based off of our our parents, where you know we just saw them not hire a guy. I mean, I I'm, I'm an immigrant. I moved to the states in 1996 from Russia, um, and my wife's Ukrainian. So this is <laughs> this is culturally like appropriate right now. Um, yeah. And uh, that was a time where we saw even in the states, like my dad would just like figure things out, whether it was. Uh, a car that he bought at an auction that he fixed and now he saved a bunch of money or it was, you know, adding a gazebo or pergola or making a basement into a functional living space. Like he did it himself. And it's not necessarily that I learned from him, um, but I think because my oldest brother and I were two different people. He's just a corporate guy and I'm working with my hands guy. Uh, but I think there's some kind of gene that I maybe inherited from my dad um, cause he never motivated me to say like, Hey, you need to start learning this stuff. It was more of like, I just saw him. And so maybe I'm sharing a gene with him where there's a part of the brain that kind of goes, I need to reverse engineer that in order to understand how it works. So school was never easy to me, but for some weird reason, when I finally went out to college, got my degree and worked in healthcare in order for me to understand what I learned in the books that I barely got by with C's and D's, um, I made up on the other side when I was actually working because I was what I would say was probably a little bit better than a lot of my colleagues because I reverse engineered and understood the whys instead of, you know, what do we need to do? The hows and the whys. And so whether it's, you know, a lawnmower doesn't start or or hey, if we're gonna rip out this wall and put something in there, I like in fact this is actually funny. Uh, when I when I married my wife, my father in law was the first person that actually was in the trades in my family. And um 
and he did uh, granite countertops. And that involved me walking a few job sites with him. I worked with him for about a year. And we would we would walk on a, a brand new construction build. And while he's me- doing measurements of the kitchen, and this is an unfinished house, I would kind of like walk the hallways and see the king studs, the jack studs, the beams, the the the, the trusses, and seeing how the electricals run. Okay, you got to staple that stuff. Like I just kind of kept paying attention and reverse engineering of like how the 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 sausage is made. I guess. Yeah, that's really cool. That whole step of demo is, I don't know about overlooked, but it's kind of like a whole skill set unto its own, taking things apart. But I when I was remodeling houses and when at the time of my life when I felt like I was learning a lot of these things for the first time, I really, demo really did that for you. Cause like you said, you can see the, in a lot of cases, even the, the people's, you know, the, the framers writing on the studs, you know, and like the, not to mention shims that they put in and, and wire ties. In fact, I did a, a shower valve at a rental, a couple, actually maybe it was a year ago, but there was like this most beautiful uh, little like wire saddle that the the guy tied to like fasten the stuff together. And I was looking at that, just admiring it, thinking like, now that is a really clever way. I, it was done like in the 50s. So back then they didn't have all the options for <laughs> whatever, like Simpson ties and fittings. But anyways, you can you really can learn a lot by taking things apart and then just kind of filing it away. So then when you're putting it back together, it's almost like you can, I don't know. I don't know about access, but it's it's not the, maybe the first time you've seen something, even though it was yeah. getting broken apart by the time you get to it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like it, it's like a lot of people that would reach out to me and they'll say, "Hey, you gave me the motivation to tackle on this project." They, our motto, at Mr. Villa Channel, is like courage and sweat. So you gave me the courage and sweat to do that and this and the other thing. And yeah, there's a lot. I mean, I kind of have a little saying that we're going to try to make maybe make merch out of. But it's like you got to break something to learn something, and maybe that's also a life, you know, uh, motto. But when it comes to home renovation stuff, like when we did the soaker tub, when we ripped out the old soaker tub, you saw where the electrical was and you saw how the plumbing was running and you saw how they went, you know, uh, OSB and then they put, you know, the, the, the mold resistant drywall to it. You go, okay, bathroom, mold resistant drywall. That has to be like you, essentially you, you can get away with a lot of stuff and not being fearful because you're like, as long as you keep the same ingredients that were here, just maybe relocate them in a different fashion you essentially just learn, you know, a number of books that you could have read. A lot, I've done a lot of dumb things in, let's say, building, but even just work and in general. And luckily, no one was watching and I could kind of just <laughs> try again. Um, but we know by now, even with YouTube, when you're filming things, even though you have the ability to edit and correct it, a lot of things still like get put out that where you're still learning. And we do this all the time. In fact, I just was talking to my dad this mo- this very morning about a video we did in our spec house series. We built a house and made this video series. And there was this part in the middle of the framing where he had described like a cheek cut on a rafter wrong, not because of mistake, just he he was explaining. He's like, I finally get this thing anyways. And he was like, so do we take that video down or how do we repair this? And we were kind of negotiating. Well, I don't know. Maybe we just make a video and just acknowledge the mistake. But anyways, what's that been like for you? Because you're putting a lot of stuff that you're learning I don't know, you're not learning all of it brand new, but a lot of times you'll talk about like, okay, the tile guy explained this, so I'm going to try it. So what's that like for you to learn these things in a little more public way without, like I said, when I did a lot of these things that thankfully nobody was watching? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, It's funny, if you try to fake it till you make it, um, sometimes that burns you because 
um, they'll destroy you in your comments, right? They'll they'll say, hey, that's not up to code. You can't do that. And, you know, hey, you're a dummy. But what I've learned is um, if you acknowledge that on, let's say, the next video or the next time you get around to that and you mentioned like the more I mentioned my mistakes, like like, for example, there was a, we would film a segment on a Tuesday. And then when it comes on a Thursday segment, I correct myself for that Wednesday thing. Now, I still have the opportunity to access and make that correction on the same video. Um, people love that. People absolutely love they, they They even tell me that like in the comment section, they're like, I love it when you mention the mistakes that you made and you kind of keep it real as opposed mm -hmm. to making it look like, hey, we we just glossed over it. I'm the pro. I've, I've been on a um, on another podcast as a guest and it's, it's all tradesmen over there, right? They're all plumbers and they're all uh, of, of, uh, framers and, and electricians. And you can't fool those guys. And a lot yeah. of those guys will watch some of my videos. And, but I think like if you're authentic enough to, to mention when you do make those mistakes on the next video, um, and if it's too late in the same video, I don't take it down. But, but I also never claim in my videos that I'm the expert in it. So what I'm saying is I'm doing this uh, and I'm just documenting it. And maybe I'm, I'm, I'm giving a little bit spin of uh, let me make the mistakes first. Or maybe I'm making the spin of I'm going to try to entertain you along the process, see how it's made. Who knows? But I don't try to fake it and make it look like I'm the expert in the scenario. Um, you're just kind of following along the ride. But I have to make sure that I, I acknowledge that mistake that was made and the audience becomes more of a ride or die kind of audience after that. Yeah. I think for the contractors, we have a portion of our audience who's contractors also. And my dad's a contractor. When I think when, when people have spent years doing work in other people's homes with other people's money, there's, there's a different, uh, mindset that, that develops where there's quite a lot more risk involved of, of unhappy clients and lawsuits and callbacks years from now, not to mention people getting hurt. Whereas most of the work I've done and maybe like the types of videos you're making, it's kind of your own skin in the game. If something goes sideways, it's, you're not going to have someone else besides your family involved. So I think for a lot of the contractors, that's the place they're coming from where the only thing they know is a, a more high risk um, scenario of a, if there's a failure, it is a big deal. Whereas for me, if there's a failure on something on my home, it's a bummer, but it's, there's definitely not that same level of, you know, risk that, that contractors carry when they go about, you know, their work. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, I remember mentioning one of my, my earlier videos, we were talking about plumbing <laughs> and I, I guess I was doing a little segment trying to encourage people, Hey, just don't be afraid to try and fail. And, uh, and then I go, what's the worst that can happen? You flood your house, but it's your house <laughs> and it's up to you to figure out how to fix it. As opposed to if it's a client thing, there's a, when I first got started in just creating content in YouTube or Instagram, whatever it is, I didn't have the sponsorships. I didn't have the brands. I didn't have connections. I didn't have the viewership. Uh, and I didn't have the tools and I needed to figure out how to get the tools before I got to the place where tools would be, you know, sponsored for or something like that. And um, in order to get those tools, I had to take on custom jobs uh, for clients and there were furniture built stuff. So it's dressers and nightstands mm -hmm. and beds, and barn doors and nothing with too much liability. But I, I've learned really quickly that I don't like this feeling of creating a product that I think looks cool and the client doesn't or maybe the, the drawers got out of alignment after a while. And I just learned because I was early in my building. Um, so I just really quickly said, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to take on those kind of liabilities and fears. I'd rather just yeah. go on this journey of learning and creating content as I'm going. 
I think if I was a contractor, I would definitely err to that side of being the most overkill, like probably the way my dad builds. And, and a lot of the guys who've been around a while is there's no gray area of like, is this strong enough or should I add more whatever concrete or it's like everything is just slammed and it's expensive because of yeah. that. And so that's, that's really how I started doing a lot of this work is because you'd get a bid from a, a contractor or whoever to do something. And you'd, I'd like choke. I'd hear like, what? You gotta be kidding me. And I understand why. Cause like I said, that person's taken on that risk. Well, maybe just talk about how you started filming. Cause you've been, you've been making videos for quite a while now. And, and really from the beginning, you were, you know, this kind of the same type of videos. In fact, I think we more or less started doing YouTube in the same kind of a era five years ago, but how, how did that happen for you? What, what made you think to film that first project? Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely, uh, <laughs> I definitely never wanted to do it. I, I knew I've always wanted to, I, I started learning a lot of these things and understanding that there's a social media world when it comes to around building or DIY or, or craftsmanship. And I'd follow a lot of these accounts. And uh, I remember there's still an account called Stealing Grain, I think was the first guy. Uh, and he's this guy who made these like live edge slabs and steel bases for him. And it looks really cool. And, um, and then I would discover more and more world of content creators who perhaps would get sponsorships and would get the tools. And keep in mind, this is a roughly around the time where I did not have the tools and I wanted the tools. And I tried figuring out how to get these tools or at mm -hmm. least get money for those tools. And... Um, I saw that there's a world of content creators, and but they were more mostly bloggers. Like Jen Woodhouse was one of them, and Brad Rodriguez from Fix This Build That was another one. And I saw that they would write hashtag sponsored, or they would hold nothing but rigid tools. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if they have like free tools coming in, maybe even a paycheck. And so that was a world that I was trying to figure out how it works. I didn't have connections with those people, so it's not like I could call them and be like, hey, man, are you getting this stuff for free? What's going on there? Are you making a paycheck? How do you get free tools? It was just kind of me from a distance trying to, again, reverse engineer. And so I saw they're all bloggers. So I was like, well, I need to get into the blogging world. So I started a blog. I am a horrible writer. And I just wrote tool reviews. I keep in mind, I'm not an expert. So I just kept reviewing the tools that I had or would buy or saw. Every tool actually I bought, I actually would do a free review on it on my blog. Mm -hmm. Nobody would read my blog. It was just like, I was just doing the thing, hoping that along the way I'd figure it out, right? And, um, and then Instagram started taking off a little bit for me, started growing up a pretty modest uh, audience. And then one of my friends, Yuri from Seattle, he's a professional photographer, kind of well-established. And he was telling me, dude, you got to get into YouTube. I was like, that's what people are doing. And this was roughly 2015. He was telling me that. And I was like, hey, man, I just learned how to, like, my passion was trying to, like, learn how to build. And I really enjoyed it. And now I'm documenting and I'm kind of part of this community via pictures on Instagram and maybe blogs. And and now you're, so I just learned how to just take a picture with like exposure and shutter speed and ISO on my camera. Now you're asking me how to learn filming and editing. It's like that, yeah. that's, I definitely don't want to do that. And lo and behold, I kind of, the following year, I made myself a little, uh, one of those New Year's resolutions. And one of the things I put on top of it was start a YouTube channel. And uh, January, I think, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah. January 4th of 2016, I went to the garage and I pointed the camera at me and I just bought the Rotex uh, Festool Sander. And it was like the Ferrari in my garage, right? <laughs> and I was like, cool, if I'm gonna make a YouTube video, it's gonna suck, it's gonna be terrible. Uh, but you know what? I just need to just do one just for the sake of doing it, And then I'll figure out along the way. So literally January 4th, go in the garage, turn the camera. It looked like an ISIS beheading video. Like the camera's just like <laughs> staring at me and I was like over like exposed corner. And I'm yeah. just like talking to the camera from one angle with 
horrible quality and I'm just talking about what I like about this thing. It's like a five minute video. I took it down. It's no longer my channel, but I did it. And that's what it, that's, that was kind of the journey that was led for me to finally like kick it and just start it. And I believe that's I, because of that, what happened in 2016, it kind of applied to anything now where it's like, yeah. You just, you'll just just do it. It has to be its worst quality, but the longer you procrastinate and say it has to be perfect, you're never going to do it. Has it gotten easier over the years to hear your own voice, see your own face, and be satisfied with the take? Because, for example, for this podcast, I'll probably do like five different attempts for like an intro, and I'll and I'll finally just like stomp out in frustration. That, but I'll be like, whatever. You've done quite a bit now of filming and editing of yourself. So what was that like at the very beginning? Was that first video pretty rough or are you the type? My dad's actually the kind of type of guy who he doesn't really overthink it. He's like pretty much, oh, I mean, he's really talented also. So that helps, but he's pretty much always good to go like one take and he never really stresses about it. But what what's that been like for you? Have you had to kind of, you know, overcome that tendency to keep tweaking it? Yeah. Uh, so when I first started, um, I hated every video that I put out. Um, and I always make this like joke that it took me like 68 videos to finally, finally start getting like a sponsorship for a video. Right. So it's not like I was like out of the gates was like making money. And I, every time I would sit down, I would film and then I would sit down and I'd edit. I never want to rewatch that video ever. Or watch it because I've already like you know gone through the editing. I saw the yeah. dumb things I was saying. I, I saw how much part of the storyline I was maybe missing, and um, and then so yeah, that's exactly how that was. And then as 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 it you know doing this for almost six years now, I it's gotten a lot better. But I think it's gotten a lot better because I I've I've given that part of the job to somebody else, which is my videographer. And he's probably a better person to ask, how am I now? We still do millions of takes, right? Like the other day we were recording an ad read and we probably did maybe 10 takes on just one small little part because I was like, man, I sound like an idiot. I need to stop saying that. Or I think I just yeah. made up a word. Like oh, we can't do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and, but, but he's only focusing on making sure the audio is good. The shot is great. How the edit's going to come out. He's not like paying attention. Hey, I think your voice squeaked when you say that. Like he he, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't care about those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess because of we're still redoing a bunch of takes, I don't hate the product anymore because I feel like when you edit your own videos, you pay attention to all the small little things that you did or did not do uh, as opposed to now when you just focus on talking to the camera and building, you can create as many uh, uh, takes as you want. Somebody else is handling the the dirty work essentially, but then when it's put together, I'm always blown away what he's able to bring out of that BS that I created. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't hate the product anymore. I don't hate how I sound anymore. But the only reason is because he's putting up with thousands of takes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. And you just the fact that there's someone else who's kind of chewing yeah. through all that, so you don't have to have to rewatch it. Um, do you feel like there's a a pressure or that, well, there certainly is, there's a pressure on YouTube to kind of always like outdo and like do a bigger thing and the next bigger thing and fancier and crazier. Um, we've kind of chosen to avoid and not go down that road. Although I think it's our own loss <laughs> kind of, because that's people can do really well. Do you feel that pressure and how do you like approach that like tendency with YouTube? And it's almost like an audience. Cause you have a video, if you have a video that does well, then the temptation is to do like, that same video again, only bigger, and it'll even do better. That's like the obvious move, but I've kind of 
we, I don't know, it's kind of a trap to do that also. How do you think about that? Yeah, no, it's, uh, so when I started actually making the YouTube videos after my horrible, uh, take on the Sander review, um, and I started making these like tutorials of building the coffee tables and the dining room tables and, um, those views, nobody watched them. Like they, they, they didn't get many views. Um, and then I, my wife pitched me an idea. Uh, well, actually it was like my first, it just so happened to be kind of like a home renovation thing. We, we partnered with Home Depot and it was like this paver thing. Mm-hmm. And it was my first actually like home renovation project for the, the, the YouTube thing. And it was the first time my video took off. And then after that, I did a couple other smaller projects. Again, nobody watched them. Like I didn't dawn on me yet. Uh, I, then my wife pitched me like, Hey, you should do this like staircase transformation video and, you know, do metal railings and, 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 um, uh, these, uh, intricate designs for the toe kick and all this stuff and this, the stair treads and it, it's a, a huge project. And of course I, I pressed against it and it blows up as well. So now there's two videos, home improvement stuff that are doing really well. And at this point I'm like, Oh, okay. So whatever I was making before the, the small stuff, the coffee tables, the, the, the nightstands, nobody want to watch them because the internet's full of those kind of videos. At that point, maybe there weren't that many home renovation videos, at least that were done in a little bit better production, not just like a GoPro or something. And at that point, I was like, that's my lane. Let's do that. So to me, in my mind, I that was my version of going bigger than everybody else, mm-hmm. right? So if everybody's budget is 500 bucks, I'm going to take on this project that costs a couple of thousand dollars and I'll just figure out the sponsorship. Maybe it's, you know, uh, a home, you know, uh, financing thing that we're going to do. And that's my version. At least the lane that I was in. But after enough time has gone by, maybe a few years, there's more and more people who are doing that now. So that standard of bigger and and greater is that level is constantly being raised. And uh, yeah, so to answer your question today, as it sits right now, there is a a huge pressure because I'm in this content creation world for the long haul. And I have a a really... uh, lucky approach on it where the content that we're creating is only increasing the equity of my own home. So it's not necessarily we're shooting videos like, you know, Mr. Beast or all these other guys where we're like, hey, we're giving away a Lambo to somebody else. We're like, no, today I'm gonna I'm gonna renovate this part of my I'm gonna make my house look better while getting paid for it uh and um you know uh creating content. But it's only gonna take you so far. So now we do have to think, okay, does that mean we go and we, we build a tiny home, you know, and then give it away. Do we go build an off-grid home with bare minimal tools? Do we go, you know, like the next series we're starting is like a cabin in the woods series. So we're, we're, we're building a cabin. from. So that, that is, that, that is, uh, uh, that is something that we are doing in terms of like having to constantly think greater, bigger, uh, and next level, I guess, in order to, to, to keep playing the game. Has, has that cabin in a woods series been announced? Has that kind of started and rolling already? It, it's not start. It's uh, so it's been uh, promoted, uh, and the reason it's been promoted is because we bought the land uh, last spring, and we uh, we did some social media stuff for like documenting the uh, excavation part, nice. and then we shot the first. So the people know the audience knows that it's coming because we're yeah. going to build it into be an Airbnb. We're going to document the whole thing and just let it do that whole thing. It's kind of cool because it's uh, it's in this heavily forested area on a hill. And one of the streets is called uh, uh, Sleepy Hollow. So the series is going to be called like Sleepy Hollow Hill. And okay. so we're going to build the whole thing around it. Um, so we And we filmed the first episode. That's the excavation part. Now, yeah. we're sitting on it. I, I've always had a dream 
Um, and mostly because I've, I, I consume a lot of content from like uh, stand-up comedians. And I see what they would do is they would work on an act and they would, you know, travel the world, the country doing theaters and shows uh, and get paid to perform this act. And then at the end of the one or two years, they'll wrap the bubble in a package and sell that off to like Netflix or Amazon or something like that. So one dream I've always had, it was again, bigger, better is um, selling off a series to somebody else, but Mm. um, the logistics of it and whether or not is it better to do it yourself and keep all the rights or sell it off. It's a whole different conversation, but yeah, we're constantly trying to do bigger, better and crazier in order to play the game. I've learned so much about film and video. I don't have any background in it in terms of like official training, but I can really understand now why like these film studios um, have to have, like at the end of a movie, there's like, it used to blow my mind that like 500 names would roll by like six different people for costumes and like, like 20 people for lighting and all these things that I remember as a kid and even as an adult, just being like, what the heck? Like, how is that even possible? Well, I still feel like I don't understand it fully but wow i get it a lot more now because it's just amazing how how a video when you consume it you just take for granted so many things that like take quite a bit of work like all the the planning and the 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 what everything you just talked about you got hours and years probably even like getting to that point with the project and the audience hasn't even seen episode one yet it's just isn't it amazing like how much goes into like like on our spec house series i get that question a lot people would be like Oh, how long is it taking to edit a video? And I honestly would want to just like hang my head in shame and be like, you don't want to know. Like for every minute, I don't know. Like maybe like 10 hours per minute, maybe more. I have no idea, but it's it's insane. And I, I don't I, it wasn't shame as much as it's just I it even kind of blows my mind when I would work all week, like 40 or 60 hours on a video and kind of wasn't done yet. And I'd be like, what? why is this taking so long? But it just does. It just takes forever. Yeah. And, and the, the emails that you get and I get where people go, Hey, um, I've, I've always wanted to do what you're doing and start a YouTube channel or a podcast or whatever. Be like, I I've done it. I've, I have 10 videos out and they're just not performing well. What advice would you give me? And I always kind of laugh at those kind of emails because I go, you don't understand the, like the level of obsession you have to have where you did 10 videos that didn't do well. And you think now that's a failure, like keep doing that over and over. Like what what we've all done is we have full-time jobs or at that point had a full-time job. We're taking on another job by creating this piece of content and we're spending the the time that we should be sleeping editing this other thing. So we're, we're doing two, three jobs at a time and we're, we're relentless about it. And too many people, I think they give up too quickly because they thought it's going to be easy. They thought they can just take a GoPro, set it on. And then and then make a bunch of buku money about it or get buku yeah. views, but that's just not the case. You got to work hard. Yeah, there's also a lot of uncertainty in everybody's life and everybody's business. Certainly in mine, you know, where my wife and I'll be talking and kind of say things like, "Man, I wonder where we're going to be in one year. Should we go this direction or that?" But when you're looking at somebody else's life or business, it it just seems like so squeaky clean and like, "Oh man, that must be nice." They just lay their head down on their pillow and sleep like a baby, but I think that's just not really the case when you're, uh, you, you have kids, I know, and yeah. I do as well. But when you, when you got family and when you got kids, it's, um, there's not a lot of like, I'm not saying you can't relax, but it's just part of life is like figuring those things out and, and navigating, should I do this or should I do that? It's kind of sad, you know, you, 
and this is almost a, a cliche, but it's just true. You can do anything in the world. You can't do everything in the world. And as I get older, like I said, I'm turning 40. That's just never been more obvious. Like the number of things in my life that I'm kind of like realizing now, like, yeah, that probably, I always thought that would happen, but that probably won't ever happen for me as it turns out (laughs) because I've gone this direction with, you know, a bunch of kids and this type of business or such. So anyways, I definitely definitely relate to that because I, it's, I mean, first of all, trying to navigate all this while having kids and trying to be a, a good dad while your kids are little um, as you're trying to build something else off the ground, you know, I always chase the same motto um, as before anything really clicked for me on YouTube, where it's like you're one video away from making it. And I just kept, I mean, there's a lot you sacrifice with it. There's a lot of, you know, peewee games that you don't make, the t-balls, the the soccer practices. And because you're constantly going, no, I have to put this video out. This video has to come out. I kind of committed to, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, three videos a month or four videos a month schedule. And so to be able to do all of that, you, you can't, but you just have to keep obsessing about it, I guess. Yeah. You know, on that note, I remember when I was a kid, my dad worked a lot and he was gone a lot working, which I'm grateful for because I, not only did I like learn, I learned a lot by watching that and I held him in high regard. Like he was working, I knew, he, I knew he was working. He wasn't like going to lunch with his buddies. Like he was working so hard, but I'm kind of worried about my family in some in some ways that now that I'm like working from home, I don't think my kids realize that I'm like working. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause YouTube's almost always on lots of times. Like I've been watching your videos all week and, and I think they see me in like, oh, dad, or I'm on my phone and like a video's on. So I've kind of thought like, geez, what am I going to do to like, at what point are my kids going to realize that work, the work I'm doing is still work, but it, it's not quite the same. And truthfully, it, it doesn't feel quite the same for myself either. I mean, and this is a struggle I have, and you may be the same way. Like, I really love more than anything else, like literally working with like dirt and tools and just tearing into things. I love it. And and that is what I truly want to be doing. And, and pinning myself down at the computer to edit or something is not my favorite thing, but you know, it, that's the, that's the world we live in where I'm not the only one. I know a lot of guys are at a computer, so they, they have to convey that to their kids as well but with working from home now and and my kids like seeing my home office in this way I'm, I'm kind of it's quite different than what i saw my dad doing when i was you know in third grade yeah and you know when when you have the home office computer that you're always around whether it's editing or or creating thumbnails or, or strategizing whatever you're doing you know one of the reasons why i burned the bridges of my old career and why i want to start youtube was because when I worked in healthcare, they're you know working twelve and a half hour shifts and working weekends. There's that opportunity cost that I was missing, where I don't have the time with my kids because they're learning how to ride a bike when I'm at work. They're learning. They're they've experienced being on a you know trampoline park for the first time while I'm at work, or all these mm-hmm. things. And it really messed with my head that that I was frustrated that I couldn't be with that time. So when I was on the mission to get YouTube getting off the ground. I wanted to do, first of all, I wanted success from it for sure. But the other driving force is like, I wanted to be in front of my kids' face, whether, you know, I still yell at them more than ever because they're always like, Hey, can we do this? I'm like, dude, I'm working. Come on. Like spring yeah. break is like the worst when you work from home, I know. It <laughs> but you know, but it's still, I think it's enough face to face with them that, um, you know, I, I hope fingers crossed, but I hope like that when I'm, you know, 60, 70, 80 and time is more important to me at that point 
I'm not going to look back and be like, well, if only I was around my kids more often. It's like, no, I feel like I'm in front of their faces left and yeah. right. Um, whether it's them running in the office in the morning while I'm on the computer, but at least, at least they still see me. At least we still have that interaction. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, speaking of family and such, you, so you work with your wife quite a bit. You guys do a podcast together and she's, um, involved with design and such. And that I, again, I feel like I have a lot of things in common with you. Um, cause I'm in business with my dad and YouTube and it's a, it's a similar thing where he's bringing so much to the table. It's almost like it's priceless in, in terms of value. And obviously he's like the, the magic behind, be, behind all of our videos, not just like his talent on the camera, but it's his expertise and his knowledge. But anyways, what's that like for you guys, you and your wife, you know, you're having, I'm sure a lot of conversations that are planning and such, but then a lot of them, you're like, well, let's turn a camera on. Cause that's what we do. So has that been tough to adjust to, or has it been, you guys are, that's just kind of just called Wednesday at this point. It is kind of called Wednesday at this point. And I think it was, we, Irene and I, we have a kind of unique uh, marriage. We've been married for 10 years now and we have three kids, uh, two boys, a girl. And, uh, it, we we communicate through humor, and um, we're both relatively creative people. She's in the world of design. She's got her own uh, interior design company called Mint and Pine Design, and uh, she's got her own social media presence with a, with a good following. And then I have my thing. And when we started, uh, when when it comes to our projects, it's always you know I have a fair good eye for design, but it's always filtered through her. And then she would add a lot more to it, and then take it a different direction. And so that really helps uh, kind of increase the opportunities for my videos to do well on YouTube mm -hmm. because they're more like stylistically appealing. So now it's attracting a larger audience of females. So now yeah. you have more you know, wives that are attacking their husbands or boyfriends going, hey, we should we should do this. Right. Because she resonated with that audience and style wise. Um, and then eventually we started a podcast called Next Door Neighbors. And it's me and her that that hosted and we do weekly episodes where the idea is we're going to have conversations, whether between us. Uh, about business, op entrepreneurship, about, you know, in the middle of all this kids, raising kids, but also we have guests on where we have the same conversations with them, whether it's, you know, how they started their business or or, or the challenges they're embarking. But it is kind of turned into like a, a Wednesday night thing because it's not scripted. It's we just sit down. There's no agenda. Um, you know, sometimes we've started episodes where we're like, hey, I'm, I'll kick it off and be like, hey, sorry, I was a jerk. You know, and then, and then eventually we we lead into something that's more topic appropriate. But it's uh you know it it's it's really just creating content at this point for people like her and myself. Uh, you you it's not necessarily that you're trying to put everything out there on the table, but everything is it's so part of your life that it's hard not to just capture it. You know, yeah. when you're always thinking about ideas, creativity, what drives you, the fears that you have in business, same questions you asked me, are you feeling the pressures of going bigger and greater? Like those are the same conversations that we're having, but we just turn the camera on. Yeah, that's cool. Um, back to tools and craftsmanship a little bit. Are you, are there trades or areas of craftsmanship that you either really want to get involved with and get your hands on or that you have like no interest and you never want to touch again. For example, for me, it's drywall for some reason. Like I just don't even bother. Even if it's like a fist size hole, I just have somebody else. I don't know why. I think it's cause I'm just so bad at it, but you, you seem to like pretty much have a handle on everything, but you tell me, are there things you either don't want to do anymore or are there things you've never gotten involved with that you're really looking forward to someday? If I never have to lay my own flooring for the entire house ever again, I'll be a pretty happy man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's something that I don't like anymore. Uh, 
But uh, it, it, when it comes to things that I'm more intimidated about, uh, there's a level, it used to be electrical, um, it, but I, I, I figured out a small little lane in electrical that I could stay in. And it's the ability to add an outlet, the ability to move a light fixture, the, the ability to add uh, a few extra light fixtures, not enough to overload the break, breakers. Um, that's the lane that I could stay to. And, I, and I've, I've surrounded myself with a few uh, 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 tradesmen who are, are kind of getting closer to me now where that I could trust them. And anytime I can just text them and be like, hey, is this up to code? Like, can I use this wire with this outlet and the GFI here? Like, and they'll, um, I have like a safety net to go through. But right now, um, when it comes to like being maybe afraid or intimidated about a project or a particular part of the trade, is going back to this whole cabin thing in the woods that we're talking about. Um, it's I there's a few nights that I stay up late going, okay, so just like any project, you go, how do we film this? How do we capture story? Do we do one full thing? Do we do episodes? Okay, well, it's episodes. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's talk framing. You're not going to go hire a framing company and say, hey, can you guys just put me in a couple of spots to hold a hammer? Like <laughs> yeah. nobody's going to want to watch that, right? Yeah. So that means I'm going to have to do a lot of this stuff. And yeah. now where it, it comes down to, well, how do I, okay, I'll, I'll hire some guys to come help me, just kind of help me carry some stuff. But how am I going to pitch a, you know, a, a 60 foot tall roof? Like uh, it's going to be A-frame. So it's a lot simpler of a design, but those little logistics um, are scary to me for sure. Uh, Cause I don't know the answers to them. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll figure out the closer we get to it. Maybe we get a consultation with somebody or something, but for in the meantime, that's, that's the fears of intimidation. Yeah. Well, a, a, a lot, building a home, a log home from, from the ground up, that certainly is a new, unless you've done it before, that would count as like a new thing, even though there's a lot of, you know, the little plumbing and such along the way, but that's definitely new. And on that, um, where do the logs come from? Do you buy logs like that, like from a mill, like that are set aside, like these would be good for a cabin or is it kind of, are you, are you using cabin more colloquial and it's more just like a regular frame? Yeah, it, it's or? more, it's more like a, like a more of a modern spin. So it's more of like okay. a traditional A-frame style house that has okay, like two, three levels in it. Yeah, there you um, go. But on that oh, level, it's like, I, if you're like, hey man, go build a tiny home, right? And I'd be like, well, that's just like three sheds put together. I could figure that out. But when it comes to uh, a 15, 1200 square foot thing, I'm like, oh, with a yeah. pitch to it. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it definitely helps when you can, I don't know about go slow, but these things are always more stressful when they're like, when there's time pressure. So unless if, as long as you have plenty of time to complete the project, then that can alleviate it. Cause you can, that's the, 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 the timeline can blow out and you can take as much time as it needs to get the the system figured out and such again that goes back to like the the difference between doing the type of work you're doing and even what i've done versus the professionals where it's a lot of the same questions and a lot of the same uh processes but just with the time and somebody else's money and somebody else's expectations online which really i i i'm just constantly when i'm doing these types of things thinking about the guys who are doing it with a homeowner breathing over their shoulder or, yeah. you know, the whole, or, or a future homeowner, you're building somebody else's house. And that person's just like sitting there in their golf cart watching you, you know, or whatever. Oh man. Yeah, no. And, and the, 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 the biggest, I guess, speed block for us as well, is the, the place is like an hour and a half drive, two hour drive away from the home. So oh, wow. it's one thing when you're doing all these things in your house, cause this is your office, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're always on location. But now you have to be like, well, how do I go there? And then you go, well, how does my camera guy go there? How do we, yeah. how do we figure out those little logistics? And then it's going to take 
and then you talk about content calendar. So usually we plan the content, you know, calendar as well in advance. And now you go, well, now we're about four weeks away from each video. Well, that's a lot of time, you know? So there's a lot of those little details that, that come with the content creating world that kind of keeps you up at night <laughs> when it comes to yeah. doing something scary, big and new. Is that cabin um, off grid as well? Or is there utilities there for it? No, there's utilities. The only thing is is a, a septic that we would have to put oh. in, but there's power that we can tap into. But again, now you're learning a lot of things of like, okay, so how do, like, it, it's kind of nice. I mean, I, I know I'm doing a little bit of complaining about of fear, but um, to a degree, I'm kind of thankful for it because it's, you have your own controlled crash course of learning how to be a, a, a builder, right? So, you know, first we bought this land and then we're, okay, can we even... I, I, like, can I even make, put a cabin here? Can I put yeah. a structure? Because it was on a hillside. It was a beautiful right. view, but it's a hillside. And so right. then I got a, an excavator and then he's like, oh, we could totally give you this and we could totally level that. I go, oh, so that's doable. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so after that, he goes, okay, so you need, you know, to get a septic permit. I was like, before we can dig, because you don't want to be sitting on this land that you can't put a septic on. So it's, it's nice because you're kind of, you're asking a lot of questions and you're asking questions from people who are probably not should, shouldn't be ask, answering those questions but they're nice enough to to kind of yeah. to, to answer them for you fortunately i live in a, a very nice state of idaho where people are very kind for the most part uh, and yeah. are not in too much of a hurry so but it's nice i guess i'm getting a, a crash course of how to build a, a house from start to finish i was going to ask you about that because idaho is everywhere is blowing up and growing right now it seems like at least if you just look at real estate prices and such but but idaho also is and have you guys seen that is it is your neighborhood and is have you are you guys seeing a lot of growth and and or is that just kind of what we hear no it's a hundred percent true i mean it's 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 uh it's a huge huge part of it has to do with uh what happened in 2020 and the second part of it is what followed by with every promotion on the joe rogan experience right like everybody it's it's it, we we see it we really do see it we used to be a place where you know when we moved here nine years ago, you know, you can get a, a, a an entry level house for a new couple for like $250,000. Yeah. Uh, now you're in a bidding war, just like everywhere else. So um, mm-hmm. you definitely see the license plates, you definitely see uh, the, the houses that you are in a bidding war over. Um, so I don't think it's any different anywhere else, but you did Joe Rogan place promote like that, Idaho or did, did he like push Idaho or something or what, what happened? Yeah. So, so he's, I mean, he, in the middle of his relocation to Austin, he had a, I'm a huge Joe Rogan fan, but there was a, there's a lot of, uh, segments where he had other guests. They're all talking about how, you know, certain States like Idaho or Texas or Montana, they're like these like hidden gems. Yeah. And uh, it, it definitely helped. I'm not saying that that's what's motivating a lot of these people, but those yeah. two two things are definitely helping. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I it might be sitting over there on my workbench, but I've been getting uh, like these big flyers in the mail. Um, Oregon, Southern Oregon is attempting to annex or I, there, Southern Oregon or people are attempting to secede from Oregon and join Idaho. And I don't think it's really likely, but I've got mail coming um of people promoting and talking about this and it'd be cool because actually we're in Southern Oregon and we are in one of the counties that would be would part be. of Idaho if that happened, which means you guys would have a, the coast, you'd be a coastal state then. Yeah. That, I'm, listen, I'm all for it. It's super <laughs> exciting. It's just, I, I think one of my buddies who was listening more into that uh, or reading more into it and he was telling me like the levels within the court systems that I have to be like voted on and agreed upon, like yeah. it, 
it there seems like it's the most i guess the way he explained to me it seemed the most unlikely because now you have the state of oregon that would have to also vote on allowing yeah. for this part to be annexed yeah. that's that's revenue that they're throwing they're giving up on yeah that's exactly right doesn't seem likely at the same time like in the us it's just such a huge part of our i don't know national mythology of seceding where it's almost like the current seems to go that direction like oh yeah join this and that that just i don't think it's likely but it certainly doesn't at the same time it doesn't seem far-fetched i guess what i'm saying at the same time it like it seems really logical like oh that makes sense it's a bunch of you know country folk and they would do better with the country folk in idaho so let's do that but like i said i I don't, I don't think it's real likely, but somebody's spending money on it because we've been getting these really nice flyers talking all about it. And I'm kind of thinking, <laughs> you know, what's interesting, you what's interesting is I, I never really paid attention a lot in school as, as I was growing up in terms of history. I never really had any fascination or interest in it. But the more, the older I'm getting, the more I'm interested about relearning the things that I kind of glanced over in history, yeah. whether it's certain empires or, or, or the Great Depression or anything like that. And I've caught myself now like kind of reteaching myself by like getting all these audiobooks on on, on yeah. uh, Audible and, you know, and, and so like it, what's funny is the more you refresh and learn on, on of history, the more present day makes sense. And you kind of realize that it's more part of humanity since the beginning of time where there was the Civil War or the North and the South. Like there's, there's constantly like these 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 creatures that are humans are trying to figure out uh, just a way to live. And it's all decided by these lines that are constantly being put in place. Yeah. I, I listened to this book a few months ago. I was going to do it. We did a book review or a book club for a while on our podcast. And we kind of, I've, I've actually been reading up more. We just haven't done the books review part, but one of the books was, um, it's called the true history of the United States. I believe that's what it's called by Danny Sherson. And he goes through the history of the United States. And I'm telling you, it was like, I was gripped and I had heard a lot of the the names and the people before, but truthfully, I never learned a good history of the United States. I had like three classes in high school and I, I, I remember nothing from those days. And so things that I had heard the name of, like, for example, the Whiskey Rebellion, that's like a that's like an event that happened in U.S. history that I had heard over the years, but I never could never have explained what it was or even the Civil War for that matter. And like all of the different steps that preceded it over the 10 years. Anyways, that was a great book. And I'll, for the listeners, I'll put a link to it because I it really was fun, not just fun, but almost important. And I remember thinking how sad it is that we kind of leave school, even if it's college for the most part. And you kind of feel like I got an education as if that's like yeah. checking a box. And then I, 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 I finished that book. I listened to it and I just was instantly like, I love history. I want to be a historian. I, this is amazing. How come How come nobody's talking about the Whiskey Rebellion right now? That was like kind of the similar kind of a thing. So yeah, there you go. I wonder what happens to us where we have all these opportunities to learn and, and opportunities to take action on certain things when we're younger. And I don't know if it's because our brain is so scattered at that point where we're trying to figure out life and things. But something that's funny happens is that the older you get, the more you want to revisit and educate yourself in a lot of those things. Um, and so one of the things I wonder is you have a lot of people who are kind of like almost like a gunpoint pressured to like, okay, you're 18 years old, figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life. You've, you haven't made enough mistakes. You haven't had crappy jobs yet. Maybe you had, you know, maybe working at McDonald's for a little bit, but, um, and now you're like, figure out a career that you're going to be happy for the rest of your life. And then you get a thing and then you, you're now sitting in this cubicle or a nice office. You're maybe making 
uh, a generous, uh, you know, salary and the whole, like the grass is greener on the other side. How many of those guys that are sitting in those cubicles who have the nice cars are wishing going like, man, I would love to work with my hands and like be, you know, a framer or a plumber or electricians or something like that, where I just come in, I don't have to talk to anybody. I do my craft and I leave. Mm-hmm. Um, how many do you think are, are experiencing those kind of like grass greener on the other side? Yeah, I think everybody does to some extent. I still do myself just depending on the day. But I, I remember when I was in high school and I would hear talk and I would even be thinking about, oh, my career, what am I going to do? And you'd hear people who spent 40 years at whatever Ford or GM, you know, and they, that was their career and they retired on this day. And man, that just seems so the world, that is just not the, that, that's my, my career is not like that. I don't know anybody's career who is like that. And certainly my kids won't, you know, in, in terms of one thing for decades, I think just the world going forward is going to be learning lots of skills, lots of different jobs, lots of turnover. And so if someone is feeling like the grass is greener and they're sitting at a cubicle, I predict it won't be too long before that very individual is, you know, moving into something else. Cause it just seems like that's the more it's just way more common these days is to reinvent yourself. I, I, I certainly have. I, I feel like my career has been reinvented three or four different times now. And like I said, I'm almost 40. So that means I'm, if I'm halfway through my career, I got another three or four career evolutions <laughs> in the can if I continue at the current pace. So if you're stuck at a cubicle, I'm sure it won't last forever, hopefully. Well, you know, though, that's interesting what you said, because I've never heard that perspective of somebody looking forward to their evolution or anticipating the evolution of themselves, you know, in terms of career wise, because what I find is that a lot of people are afraid to take a risk, right? They're afraid they get themselves in a comfortable thing. And let's say they have a salary or whatever, and they it covers their car payment and their mortgage payment and the groceries and a couple other maybe entertaining things. And they go, okay, well, if you hate your life in terms of like this, this, the, where there's the statistics out there, like I think 60% of Americans are unhappy with their uh, life circumstances, whether it's marriage or work or career or whatever. Um, but then it's a lot of them are afraid to go take that big step to go, okay, well, I'm going to reinvent myself to go be uh, a YouTuber or a plumber or an electrician or, you know, I'm going to start a, you know, landscaping company. Like a lot of them are. Mm-hmm really afraid to take that big step. And so they don't. So they just kind of sit there and they allow their unhappiness to kind of, they're, they're waiting for how long it would, it would sustain them. And oftentimes it just, that's just where they are. Um, but it's interesting. Yeah. I've never seen that perspective of saying like, Hey, I'm probably going to change like three more times in terms of paths. Yeah. I don't know. Everybody's different, but for me, all, all almost all of these changes were things that just happened naturally. I, I, there's only been one instance where I quit a job and, kind of walked out and like dove into the deep water. And that, and that was very memorable. I had only been married for maybe two years. I told my wife, she basically burst into tears instantly because that is not what she imagined <laughs> my career was going to look like. I was in accounting, so she thought she married a, an accountant. Uh, no. <laughs> and so, but the rest of them have been kind of just logical and you meet a person or you learn a thing and one thing leads to another. So I don't think it has to be, like I said, a, a diving into the, the deep end situation. It can also be you cross paths with this person and one thing leads to another and then you get an opportunity that you didn't know about. And so hard to say everybody's different, but knowing myself, I, I have a feeling I'll, for whatever reason, 
find my way down some rabbit hole, not even a rabbit hole, just forks in the roads that you can't see right now that you don't know where they will take you. But I doubt it'll be, I'll be making, you know, YouTube videos in the same way I am right now, even, you know, five or 10 years from now. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. Yeah. We'll it's, interesting, back. Especially, it's interesting when you look at your demographics as a YouTuber and you go, okay, so and I don't know about our audiences, but like my YouTube audience is like the, the hottest point is between like 25 and 44 years of age. And then you yeah. go, okay, so what is it going to be? What does my life going to look like when I'm 50 or 55? Am I going to, am I going to take just a trajectory going, I'm going to be a builder now and let this channel just, you know, wither and, and die? Or am I going to take a different approach and kind of, like you said, reinvent yourself and be like, now you're going to be more of, of, of a mentor to, you know, people who are seeking information because you've made enough mistakes, you've learned enough things to be able yeah. to share them now. Yeah, it could be. I've known a lot of guys in my life older than me who it's almost like as you get older and it, which makes sense because your mentors <laughs> retire and eventually start dying and there's, you're around more young people. So that there's a transition that I think men go through often where they um, find them, I'm kind of in the middle of it, where they find themselves advising and giving advice more often and getting advice less often. It's a very slow transition, but you know, when I was 21, all I was doing was like asking people, what should I do? And now I'd say it's 50, 50, you know, half of the calls I get and half of the things I'm talking about are giving somebody else some tip. And I'm sure in 30 years, it's going to be much the other. I'm not going to be asking a lot of people, what do you think I should do? They're going to be like, well, you should just, you know, not break your hip. <laughs> and, yeah. but I'll be talking to younger guys and be like, well, this is what I did. So I think that's like just part of being a, a man and, and, um, an evolution, you know, that we all kind of go through and, and that happens just as part of aging and getting older, having kids helps obviously, because in terms of meaning and what am I going to be doing? Really? It's just going to be like, taking care of my family. That's, I, I know what I'm going to be doing. It's going to be taking care of my people and my family. And hopefully I have enough resources and energy to push it out beyond them also. But that's the point of having kids, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, that's beautifully put. It's, I, I think, I think what kind of sums up a lot of it is, you know, there's people out there who, who finish learning and they believe that they're, they're, they're no longer, I don't know if it's a pride thing or maybe it's just a laziness thing, but they go, I, I don't need to learn anything new. But then there's yeah. people out there who go, I'm never going to be done being a student of something. And so when you become, let's say 50 and you have a YouTube channel at 50, you look to somebody who's 55 and be like, Hey, how are you navigating this thing on YouTube? Or what does it look like for you to transition out of this at 50? So you always kind of look up to somebody else to kind of give you that mm -hmm. uh, wise counsel, I guess. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, hey, I really admire what you're doing. Your videos are amazing, and we'll link to all this, of course. But I, I really think you're doing a terrific job, not just in making good projects, but making them super watchable. And it is inspiring to see somebody just like, I'll say plow through, but that's only because I get how the video goes. But you really have figured out a great way to keep the pace just um, moving and keep people watching. And it, I got to say, it inspires me. In fact, I just watched the one of the shower. I don't know if you've done more, but your shower video that you remodeled. And right after it was done, I, I walked in my bathroom. And I was looking around I'm like, I probably ought to do that. I probably ought to remodel my shower. So uh, you got one more fan who appreciates you putting the videos together because it is inspiring. Seeing, seeing somebody do something, um, just you can't help but afterwards feel like, 
oh, maybe I could do that. So keep it up. And you're all, you're on a lot of other platforms. In fact, why don't you finish on this? But I know you're on YouTube, obviously, but you kind of have your toes in a lot of other platforms as well. So maybe give the audience the, the full picture in case maybe maybe someone who's listening is more into another platform than YouTube. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely as a content creator, that's uh, we create content all over the place. So we're on, on YouTube, Mr. Build It, um, Facebook, Instagram, Mr. Build It, uh, TikTok, Rumble, and uh, we, of course, have the podcast that you can find anywhere podcasts are found next to neighbors. I love it. Well, hey, thanks a bunch, Alex, and we'll do this again. Can't wait to hear more about the Cabin Project. We'll be paying attention, and once that gets underway, let's uh, have another conversation, and I just... Well, I'll be watching, I guess. I'll know how it's going, but we'll, we'll chat to hear the behind the scenes. I love it. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate you having okay. me. Okay. Yeah. Talk to you later. Take care.